Glory to God. But here tonight, we're back in the book of Judges, looking at Samson, how not to do it. I think that's the main reason we spend so much time on Samson is just to learn how not to do it. Because I don't think there's anything he did that we want to imitate. If you could do it wrong, he found out how to do it. Well, it's been a little while since we were in the last part we, we did with this. We were looking at mercy, grace, and favor. Anybody remember that? Kind of went on to the end of that. That uh, mercy is not receiving what you deserve. But grace is receiving what you don't deserve. <laughs> and favor, positioned to receive what God wants to give. I was running this by someone that I have a lot of respect for, and I said, uh, what do you think about this difference between these, these things? And he said, oh, man, I haven't even thought about the differences between all those things. So I didn't get to check it out with anybody yet. But um, we'll keep pondering on that and, and thinking on some more things. Uh, I came on home was talking to my wife about it. And she said, well, what about? And she threw out something else that wasn't on there. I said, well, I didn't get anything on that one. So, <laughs> so we didn't do anything with that one. But anyway, we are over here now in... Judges chapter 14 still, verse 10. And this is about a riddle. Now, why in the world would God put a riddle in the Bible? Especially one that has absolutely zero spiritual significance. <laughs> when you look at this riddle, there is no wisdom. There is no insight into life, into living, into God's word, into God's kingdom. This riddle has absolutely no spiritual value at all. In fact, there really is very little... Um, life value or material value. There's, there's, there's just nothing good about this riddle. It's not even funny. There's just, I don't, you look at this, you say, why does God put this riddle in? And did anybody ask that question when you were going through this? Why does God put this stupid riddle in, this, in the Bible? Because the Bible's an important book. And I, we've already got some really bad things out of the life of Samson that's in here. But when I read this riddle again, and I, I'm reading over some more, I said, man, this is just a stupid riddle. There's just nothing good about this riddle at all. So why does God allow this in the Bible? Well, we're going to take a look at what could be the purpose. Maybe we get to heaven, he'll straighten us up and say, no, that wasn't it. This is the reason here. But <laughs> we'll, uh, we'll go on here. But remember, but the, the origin of this, of this riddle, we were looking at last time we were together that Samson is where he shouldn't be. He was on his way. This is how the riddle became about. He was on his way to go get himself a Philistine wife. And that's not what he should have been doing. He was on going over to the land of Philistia because there was a gal there who caught his eye. He's doing what he shouldn't do. He's going to go get himself an ungodly woman and marry her. He's taking what he shouldn't have in the Philistine wife, and he's going against the covering of his God. This is not a good place to be. He's going against the covering of his parents. His parents have said, don't do this. This isn't a good thing. He did it anyway. He said, no, you get it for me. <laughs> and so far, nothing has happened to him. We're always looking at cause and effect. I mean, how many times have we looked at somebody and we know that their life is not what it should be and we think, well, how come they keep... <laughs> how is it that... You know, they haven't gotten fired and their car still works. And <laughs> How is these things going on with this person's life when they obviously don't walk with God 
or they claim to be walking with God, but they're not. How do these good things happen to them? How does anything good happen to them? And we begin to look at this in this way. Well, nothing has happened so far, so maybe, maybe I ought to walk that way. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, if God's uh, not, not socking them to it, maybe I ought to walk that way. Well, it is difficult to discern between getting away with something and the mercy of God. It is difficult to discern between the two. Am I just getting away with something or is that the, the mercy of God? But if, but if you know a thing to be bad, don't do it. No matter what anyone else is doing and getting away with, you just shouldn't do it. You know, in all of us in our line of works that we, we do, we see people who do things we know that they shouldn't do. We have a business and we say, well, I know if I was doing that for a customer, I wouldn't do it that way. That's not how I would go about it. I would go about this differently. I would, because there are certain principles that we hold that are important. Even in ministry, you know, sometimes I can look at other people that are in ministry and say, well, why? I don't know how they, they do that. I don't know why they get away with that sort of behavior. But they sometimes seem to do it. But if you know a thing to be wrong, don't do it. And regardless of what other people are doing. Because we don't want to stand out there before God and says, well, God, I was trying to do what was right, but, you know, so-and-so was getting away with doing bad things, and so I figured I might as well just jump in there too. The Word of God says, if you know a thing to be wrong and you do it to you, it's sin. Don't do it. Stay out of it. So verse 10. So his father went down to the woman, and Samson gave a great feast there for young men used to do so. And it happened when they saw him, that they brought 30 companions to be with him. Then Samson said to them, Let me pose a riddle to you. If you can correctly solve it and explain it to me within the seven days of the feast, then I will give you 30 linen garments and 30 changes of clothes. So they gave him 30, 30 buddies. They basically hired 30 guys to hang out with them during the party. Of all the things that Samson has going for him, understand one thing he does not have is friends. You will never see any friends with Samson. You never see any comrades. He's always by himself. He doesn't have friends. Well, you got to understand why. He's been a spoiled brat. If he acts that way with his parents, how do you think he acts with his friends? Whatever friends he had growing up. And they all just said, you know what? I think we'll go someplace else. We'll hang out with another person. But if you cannot explain it to you, he's going to give him a riddle. But if you cannot explain it to me, then you shall give me 30 linen garments and 30 changes of clothing. So he's got this bet going on with these 30 guys, these 30 companions. If you uh, can solve the riddle, I'll give each one of you a, ch a change of garments, which will be, end up being 30. Or uh, if not, then each of you give me one, which will end up being 30 coming back this way. And I said to him, pose your riddle that we may hear it. So he said to them, out of the eater came something to eat, and out of the strong came something sweet. Now for three days, they could not explain the riddle. They didn't really have a whole lot to go on. So you can see, certainly, out of the eater came something to eat, and out of the strong came something sweet. And you just learned a whole lot about God in that, didn't you? I mean, there's just no real spiritual value in this thing at all. But yet the Bible has recorded it. Well, the riddle's purpose is this, to get what Samson wanted. Samson wanted to um, win over the Philistines and... And he wanted a win that was going to benefit God. No. 
He wanted a win that was going to benefit Israel. No. He wanted a win that was going to benefit Samson. <laughs> so he did not set out to accomplish God's will. He did not set out to accomplish his call. And he did not set out to deliver God's people. If we're going to set out to do things for God, we've got to make sure we're accomplishing the things that are his will, accomplishing the things that are in our call, and accomplishing to deliver God's people. If that was our particular calling, that was his particular calling. He thought winning was a sure thing and was mad when he didn't win, though. I mean, how many times have we heard people, oh, this is a sure thing. <laughs> and then all of a sudden, it's not. It's not a sure thing. But it came to pass on the seventh day that they said to Samson's wife, Entice your husband that he may explain the riddle to us, or else we will burn you and your father's house with fire. Yeah. I mean, these guys play for keeps here, huh? We, wanna get, we, want, we don't want to give up 30 changes of clothes. If we don't uh, win this thing, we're going to burn you guys. Have you invited us in order to take what is ours? Is that not so? So they're looking at it this way. You invited us to this feast. He asked us to be the companion of Samson. He made this riddle. We went ahead and agreed with it. And uh, it's all, you know, your conspiracy theory here. It's all your plan to get money from us. Well, they didn't tell Samson to make the riddle. They didn't tell the uh, 30 companions to agree to the riddle. That was their doing. I guess they figured, ah, uh, how smart is Samson? We can surely outsmart him. But that was not the case. Then Samson's wife wept on him and said, You only hate me. You do not love me. You opposed the riddle to the sons of my people, but you have not explained it to me. And he said to her, Look, I have not explained it to my father and my mother. So should I explain it to you? So she comes on over and she's weeping all over him. Oh, you don't love me because of this. And now understand this is an ungodly woman. This is a person who worships the idols. Uh, you can't really expect a whole lot out of her for one thing. But here she is crying all over. How many times have you ever seen a woman do this to another guy and just thought to yourself, oh, that's so obvious. <laughs> have you ever seen that? I mean, we've seen it in movies. We have friends and they're doing this. And you know, if you have friends and they're either victim to this or they are the perpetrator <laughs> and you see the whole thing on, you, you, to you, it's so obvious, isn't it? You can see this thing. Oh, they're doing that. Oh, there it goes. But to the person... To the guy who the woman's weeping on, what's, what's happening to him? Oh, no, no, she's serious. Oh, she, this really means a whole lot to her. And you're trying to, you know, rattle some sense in them. She's trying to take advantage of you. <laughs> Knock it off. No, no, she's not. She's just really sad and just, uh, you know, really wants to, she sees this as a, this kind of a thing. And, uh, you know, women, men, whatever it is, don't ever follow the example of this Philistine woman. <laughs> Certainly don't. And if you are ever in a situation, now this is really easy, if you are not dating someone to know this ahead of time, and you can say, oh, I will not fall for this <laughs> until you date someone and they begin to pull this on you because they have uh, got an inroad. If you have someone and they're crying all over you, trying to get you to divulge something, the best advice I could possibly give anyone is run as fast as you can. <laughs> to quote a movie, run, Forrest, run. <laughs> get out of there, go. But it's, it's hard because we feel attached to it. 
And there's a lot of, yeah, leave your coat, there you go, Joseph. <laughs> there's, a, there's a lot of times that we, we see this go on. And, you know, men and women, we've, we went over this before. Men and women, when we give into the flesh, have certain traits that come out very strong. This is one of the ones that come out for women. They will coerce and they will try to use whatever they can to deceive and to get information that they otherwise would not have. This is one of the things. Now, not born again, spirit filled, (laughs) tongue talking, going after God women. Not talking about that. We're talking about the other ones. Just like men. Men may not do this, but men will very often use force. Or coercion in, in other ways. And, uh, and, and, and it's just not right. They'll use fear. Men, unsaved men use fear over women. They use, uh, some of them just use brute force. And that's wrong. That's the unregenerated man coming out in that. And I, we tell women all the time, run from that. That does not need to be in your, in your life. That is not the way that a godly man would act or should do. That's just is not something that, that should be going on. So here's the secret thing that's, going, that's, that's happening. Here's a trait that should be going on for godly men and godly women. If a thing is secret, leave it. You should have no desire to know what is not your business. Now, how many of y'all know there's still a desire for us to know what is not our business? That does not come from God. That does, it comes from someplace else, but it does not come from God. As soon as we know something, what do we want to do? Oh, wait a minute. You, you heard something? What would you hear? I need, I need to know. What would you hear? Come on. I won't tell anybody. What did you hear? Tell me. Please tell me. What you hear? We, we, we want to know these things. And we need to, to not. If I know something, oh, did somebody share that with you in confidence? Yes, they did. Okay. I, don't tell me that. And that's how we should leave it. Man or woman. Doesn't matter. Because both men and women both are prone to gossip. It is not just a woman thing. Men can get into gossip too. And men sometimes like to get some dirt on other people. That's not just a, a woman thing to know all those kind of, kind of things. Uh, but don't do it. If there's a secret thing that's going on, let it be a secret thing. And just because you're married to them doesn't mean that everything that they know needs to be you, you know. Because you're going to know some things about other people that they said they share with you in private and you need to keep it that way. And if your wife or husband finds out that you know something about so-and-so, but they shared it with you in private, they better not try and pry it out of you. That's ungodly. That is not right. If that person has not given you permission to share it, then you shouldn't share it. That's just how it is. And you should be able to just say to a husband or wife, so-and-so said it to me in private. They shared, they shared it with me to, that I wouldn't share it with anyone else. Oh, well, then you shouldn't share that with anyone else. You should just let that go. And that's how it should be. But no, we got that fallen nature on the inside of us. And, oh, there's something out there to be known. <laughs> right? The knowledge of good and evil. <laughs> oh, how we want it. Oh, there's something out there I don't know. Hmm. I need to know it. No, you don't. You know, there ought to be some surprises that are left. You know, the, if, if it comes down to Christmas time or it comes near your birthday, are you snooping around the house to find out what so-and-so got you? <laughs> That's not what you should be doing. 
<laughs> you shouldn't be doing that. They should be able to plop it right there in front of the room in a bag that you could just open and look in and you wouldn't touch it. They should be able to come into the room and say, this bag contains your Christmas present. I would appreciate it if you don't open it up. And you should never open it. That's how it should be. Of course, it's not always that way. We sometimes get there, oh, I'm just so curious. Oh, I just need to know. No, that's just the wrong nature working on the inside of you. Don't do it. Don't do it. Stay away from it. You're following after the wife of Samson, among others. But this is one of them. Don't follow after her example. She's over there crying. Oh, you don't love me because... You know what, people? Don't ever throw that out. Don't ever. Just if you ever hear the words like that coming out of your mouth, slap yourself. Just haul off and slap yourself and say, Nope, I, I'm not repeating the words of Samson's wife. As bad as he was, she's off even more. So Samson's wife wept on him and said, You only hate me. You do not love me. You have posed the riddle to the sons of my people, but you have not explained it to me. And he said to her, Look, I have not explained it to my father or my mother. So, should I explain it to you? Now, why did he not explain it to his father and mother? <laughs> it's real simple. It's not because of any other reason other than the honey came out of a dead carcass and if he told them, they would become unclean and they would know that he was unclean and that he broke his Nazarite vow. It's the only reason he's not telling that he didn't tell it to them, but he, she doesn't know that. <laughs> so, he's telling her, look, I didn't even tell my mom and dad. So, why should I? And I love them, right? No, <laughs> but she's not going to challenge that, I guess. Oh, my. But this is, this is just wrong behavior. Let secret things be secret. Remember, there's a verse of Scripture that says the secret thing belongs to the Lord. Some of us are up there crying on God. Oh, God, you need to tell me why. Oh, why did this happen? Oh, God, you need to tell me why. Why did so-and-so go home? Why did so-and-so get sick? Why did so-and-so have this happen? Why did this happen over here? Oh, I need to know. Oh, I need to know. Oh, God, you need to tell me. Brother Hagin was, uh, one of the times he was up in heaven and he was uh, talking with God. He said he saw his sister. I think it was his sister. There, and uh, I think that was the one relative that he said, I could not pray out of death. And so she saw him. She came running up and said, Oh, Kenneth. And she, uh, they, they talked for a little bit. And he said, uh, You know, what, what was it? Why, why couldn't I pray? Pray you out of death, and and she and she just said to him, "There was a reason, but it's not for you to know, or something like that." But there was a reason, and it wasn't for you to know. And uh, uh, the one one time there was a, I don't think it was this one, but there was another situation, and the Lord revealed it to Brother Hagen. He says, "Don't you ever visit that in your thought life." There's a he's, he took use of the verse, "The secret thing belongs to the Lord; this belongs to me." Don't you ever visit that in your thought life? And he says, "I never did." See, sometimes we visit things in our thought life and we shouldn't be doing. We sit there and we think on it, well, why did that happen? Well, how come so-and-so went on to heaven? How come this person got sick? How come this... And, and there are some secret things that belong to the Lord. It doesn't mean that the doctrine that you believe is wrong. There are some times that secret things are there. And it's not because God has a secret. He was dealing with somebody on a thing or whatever it might be. But whatever it is, it's not your business. <laughs> and if God says, that's my, that's my business, don't you worry about it then you ought to just drop it and never ask them again. Never ask them again. How many of you know people, they keep coming up to you for the truth? Oh, I know you know something on that. Tell me what it is. I'm sorry, I can't reveal that to you. 
And they come up a day or two later. Oh, tell me what that... Oh, come on, you can tell me. I won't tell anybody. Please tell me what it was. What happened there? That's not right. That is a fallen nature coming out of a person, born again or not. And they need to, they need to quit it. If a person says a thing is, is, is not mine to divulge, then don't divulge it. Let it go. You just need to let it, let it sit there. If God says that's a secret thing that belongs to me, that's not for you to know, don't ever visit it again in your thought life. Don't ever think about it again. Don't get bugged by it. Do you know people that uh, have a relative, someone they loved, and they went on to be with the Lord and never understood, understood why? And they're always bringing it up. I don't understand why God did that. I don't understand why that happened. And you'll hear it again, you know, a week later, a couple of days later. I don't understand why God did that. All the time out of their mouth. I don't understand why God did that. They keep visiting the thing in their thought life. If God's not going to reveal it to you, if God hasn't revealed it to you, let it go. You'll be a whole lot better off. But that's why people don't have peace. That's why people get all upset. That's why people are not in faith and they're in doubt and they're unbelief and all these other things. They visit things in their thought life that they shouldn't be visiting. Now, a good way for this person to have come out with it, she should just come up to Samson and say, Samson, look, these guys are threatening me and my family in order to get this riddle. Now, how do you want me to handle this? What do you want me to do? And, and put it back in Samson's lap. Why in the world wouldn't we do that? Why not just bring that all out? You ever watch those murder mysteries, you know, the movies and things like that they have on there? And how many have ever watched one of those things and the star of the film walks in an apartment and there's a, uh, there's a dead body in there and of course, what do they do? They run out. And on their way running out, you know, they get in the car real quick because they want to get out of there before anybody finds out that they were in the place. The cops pull up and they stop them. Here they are running. <laughs> What's the smart thing to do? Stay right there. Call the police. I walked in on the apartment here. There's a dead body. Here's the address. Come on out. And but they're saying, no, if they find me here, they're going to think I did it. Well, if they find you running, they're going to think you did it. <laughs> but, you know, you watch the movie and all the time, you know, oh, he's running. They're going to catch him. Sure enough, they caught him. They saw him or they, a witness saw him running on out. And they, uh, now, you know what? Just, just deal with it straight up. If you ever gotten involved in a situation like this, just deal with it straight up. Just bring it to God or bring it to the people that are involved. She should have just brought it to Samson and said, what, you, what do you want me to do? How do you want to work this? Do you want to tell me what the riddle is so I'll pass it on to them and then this doesn't happen or do you want to handle it another way? But instead she practiced deception on this husband of hers. And it's not going to help you out. Don't follow this example. Now understand, the riddle has no spiritual value. The riddle's roots are from a bad place. He was on a bad trip, going to get a bad thing in a bad way. He kills the lion with his bare hands, so therefore he touched the dead thing. He came back to the dead thing, took the honey out, which means he touched the dead thing again. He is unclean. He is not supposed to do that as a Nazarite. He covers it up by lying to his parents and giving them some of the honey that he pulled out, not telling them where it came from. We got lie and deception and wrong motives all going on. And then out of that, we bring out this riddle. And then it gets his wife in trouble. And her family is threatened. It's just not a good thing to do. Now she had wept on him the seven days while the, their feast lasted. Can you imagine providing a feast for people for seven days? I mean, for some of us, it's tough to go over to somebody's house for dinner. 
right? I mean, well, I'm not sure if I'll have time this week to get over there for dinner. You know, maybe sometime coming up we can head on over for dinner or something like that. But no, we're not talking about going over dinner. We're talking about a seven-day feast. How did people go over for a seven-day feast? What about work? Well, I'm sorry I wasn't able to make that stuff for you. I've been at a feast for the last seven days and, you know, eating away and just having a good old time. But I'll get back to work sooner or later. Seven-day feast. And it happened on the seventh day that he told her because she pressed him so much. Then she explained the riddle to the sons of her people. So she kept for, for seven days or any number on the, up until the seventh day, I guess, you know, probably the third day, they figured out they couldn't do it, so they pressed her. And then up to the seventh day of the feast, she pressed him. So she's weeping them on all these days and just constantly coming back. He'd say, no, I'm not going to share it with you. And she'd come right on back. He'd say, no, I'm not going to share it with you. And she'd come back. And he'd say, no, I'm not going to share it with you. And she'd come back. And he'd say, no, I'm not going to share it with you. And she'd come back. For all those days, she kept doing this. And he kept saying no until finally he said, man, I am tired of this thing. Let's just... (laughs) Then she explained the riddle to the sons of her people. So the men of the city said to him on the seventh day before the sun went down, just in a nick of time, what is sweeter than honey and what is stronger than a lion? And he knew right off what they did. And he said to them, If you had not plowed with my heifer, you would not have solved my riddle. I don't know how many wives would have really liked the, the, uh, his propensity for riddles here. <laughs> oh, man. I mean, you can call your wife all kinds of things, all kinds of sweet names, all kinds of pet names, but heifer, I just don't think that's one of them. <laughs> I don't think she would have appreciated that a whole lot either. Then the Spirit of the Lord came upon him mightily. And he went down to Ashkelon and killed 30 of their men, took their apparel and gave the change of the clothing to those who explained the riddle. So his anger was aroused and he went back up to his father's house and Samson's wife was given to his companion who had been his best man. (laughs) So he went up there, did the whole feast to take this wife. She's crying on him all these days. And then in the end, he's so mad at her for having done all this that he left her and then she was given to the best man. Boy, I'll tell you what, the way they toss these women around. I mean, if one thing you're going to be, Samson, all right, well, we didn't get that to work, so he was going to be the best man, which we just assigned him a best man. He didn't, he didn't pick him. We just gave him 30 guys and he took one of them to be his best man. And, and so we'll have you marry him instead. Oh my, what a, what a trip. So Samson's not happy. But here's something that's interesting. The Spirit of the Lord came upon him mightily, and he went down to Ashkelon and killed 30 of their men, took their apparel, and gave the changes of clothing to those who explained the riddle. So he went down to a city so that they wouldn't know what was going on, and he killed 30 men. <laughs> he took their stuff, brought their stuff up with them, and gave it to them. I wonder if he had to get sizes. I don't know about that. I mean, you know, there's some people that are small, some people that are medium, and some people that are large. And, and you know, and then it depends on who makes the garment because sometimes you're a large and then sometimes you're a medium and maybe sometimes you're an extra large depending upon what the garment is. It doesn't, and whoever makes it. Plus, you know, if it's cotton or whether it's polyester and, and it's going to shrink when you wash it, you know, you have to take all these things into consideration, right? So I wonder if he's looking around and says, well, this one looks like Sam. It looks like his size, so I'll kill him. <laughs> I don't know what he went on. Or if he just picked 30 guys and got the wrong size on purpose. 
You know, you don't know what's up with, with Samson. But uh, what's interesting is that the Spirit of the Lord came upon him. Does that not seem perplexing? Because we spent all this time to let you know that the riddle has a bad origin. The riddle has no spiritual value. The riddle was given to unscrupulous men, Philistines. The riddle was told to his wife, who he shouldn't have to begin with. She went and told it to somebody else, who passed it on to the 30 guys. And they came and solved the riddle. And so Samson got mad, not because God's people were abused, not because the Philistines are are using their power against God's people. He's mad because he lost the bet. That's it. He's mad because Samson has to pay up. And it's not going to cost him anything because he's going to go down and kill 30 people and take their stuff and give it to them. So 30 people died just for this thing. Now, that's... You think, oh, 30 people died. 30 Philistines died. Oh, that's terrible. Well, no, he's supposed to be wiping out Philistines. (laughs) That's his call. He's supposed to go out there and kill some Philistines because the Philistines are oppressing the people of God. The Philistines are ungodly people. They are idolatrous people. They are in the land of Israel and God said they all need to go. Their time of grace and mercy, it's over. Now get them out. Kill them all. And when Joshua came on through... God said, kill all of them except for the nice ones. What do you say? Kill them all. If you don't get them all out of there, they're going to pull you into their idolatry. And the Philistines were a problem for them for a long time, all the way up until the time of Saul and David. We still see the Philistines being an issue. They eventually do get them under control and I think they eventually do wipe them out. But there's a whole lot of the giants, the folks in the giants' blood, over there. He's supposed to be going over there and destroying Philistines and breaking that hold that they have over Israel. But he's not. He's taking care of Samson. So he puts out this riddle. No value to it at all. Nothing good in it at all. The reason that this whole thing is here is for this one verse. Then the Spirit of the Lord came upon him mightily and he went down to Ashkelon and killed 30 of their men, took their apparel, and gave the changes of clothing to those who had explained the riddle. Now, does the Spirit of God come upon Samson because God is pleased with what Samson is doing? (laughs) I would say that's not the case, right? How could you be pleased with this guy? There's nothing in the life of Samson that would show us that God is pleased with him. He's not doing anything spiritual. He's not following after his call. He's after the good of Samson. And that's it. But... There's no doubting, no, no doubt that the word says, Then the Spirit of the Lord came upon him mightily, and he went down to Ashkelon and killed 30 of their men, took their apparel, and gave the changes of clothing to those who had explained the riddle. So the Spirit of God came upon him to kill people, to get stuff to pay off the people who solved the riddle that had no spiritual value and no purpose at all. Why? I think this whole riddle is put here for us to know the answer to this question. Why? So his anger was aroused and he went back up to his father's house and Samson's wife was given to his companions, companion who had been his best man. So the first woman that was going to be in his life, she's gone. She went someplace else. So he said Samson is angry because he didn't get what he wanted. The Philistines are gloating over their victory. And Samson's new wife is coerced into espionage. 
Make, has a making of a great movie here, doesn't it? <laughs> the Philistines are killed not because of what they do to Israel, but because of what they own. They own some clothing that they can use. Now, Samson will do what he needs to do to activate the anointing of God when he is angry. When Samson gets angry, he will do what he needs to do to activate the anointing of God because he's angry. He'll do it when he is in trouble and he will do it when he is in need. He will activate the anointing of God when he is angry, when he's in trouble, or when he is in need. Now, here's a, com- here's a comparison. Let's take a look and compare this to Moses. Moses would activate the anointing of God that was on his life when God was angry. When God's people were in trouble and when God's people were in need. That's when Moses would step out and activate the anointing. Samson would do it when he was angry, when he was in trouble, and when he was in need. So the same things caused it, but it was a different person. Samson did it for himself. Moses did it for the people that he was to serve. But Samson didn't serve the people of God. Samson served himself. But the anointing could still be activated. Why does God allow Samson to activate the anointing of God on his life when he does something for a selfish motivation? Isn't that a good question? Isn't that something we like to have the answer to? <laughs> but, I mean, it's God's power. It's, it's, as we said, Samson is probably a, a scrawny guy. He's probably laying on my size or that kind of a thing. He's, he's, he's not muscle-bound. He doesn't look like he's overly strong. It's the Spirit of God that would come upon him and cause him to be strong. And he would do these great feats that otherwise he couldn't do. So why does God even let the Spirit of God come on him? Why doesn't God just say, you know what? Let's take a look here. Touch the dead animal. All right, let's strike one. You're going after an ungodly woman. That's strike two. You're disobeying your parents. Yeah, strike three. Fellowshipping with Philistine people. You're not supposed to do that. You're supposed to kill Philistines, not fellowship with them. And strike four. If it's baseball, he'd be already done. <laughs> so, so why does God tolerate this? And as soon as he wants to activate the anointing, he gets out there, activates the anointing, starts killing people. But the anointing of God is on him to kill Philistines and set them, set the people of Israel free. And yet, as soon as he hits what his need is, 30, he stops. Would God have, have had him continue? I'd have to say so, because the purpose that God has is for him to deliver Israel. And he just delivered Samson. <laughs> he didn't deliver Israel. He's mostly just delivering Samson. Well, the same. The reason we spend so much time on this question is because we do run into this a lot. How many times do we see people in the body of Christ who can activate the anointing of God on their life even though they do it for their own personal gain? And we have to wonder, why does God allow His power to be used by these people when they do it for their own personal gain? Give you some examples. How many of you know some preachers, evangelists, ministers, people that are out there on the road and they go city to city and they, they do different things and 
and their lifestyle is a horrible one. We've heard stories of some ministers who are entertaining men or women up in their apartments or in their hotel rooms after the service is over, that they are brought on up and they have an entourage who brings people on up to them. And I mean, have you heard these stories? I've heard of these stories. I've heard people that have done these things and yet they'll come out after that and the next day go into another service and lay hands on people and people will be healed. They'll preach the gospel and people will get saved. People will be in the service and worship will go on and people will feel close to God. Experience God in the worship service. Why does this go on? Because we look at it the wrong way. We look at this from why does God use this person when God says, I need to minister to these people. And I'll even use one like Samson if it helps my people. I think that's just amazing with God. He would use one like Samson who used a phenomenal anointing when it was suit Samson. In the end of his life, he'll finally get to a place where he'll do something outside of Samson, but not until then. We had people in the Bible who did things for selfish gain. Paul would talk about people who did things for selfish gain. And he gave, gave a warning Don't let so-and-so into your church service. Well, why would you let them into your church service if there was no miracles, if there was no preaching, if there was no worship, if there was no no anointing going on? Why would you bring them in? And Paul got to a point where he said, don't do it. Here's the thing, folks. You can learn how to walk in a level of the anointing of God and still activate that because you learned how to do it. And you learned how to operate in that area of, of, uh, of anointing. Don't look at people and the anointing of God that's on their life and say, well, that person must be perfect. Oh, that person must be great. Oh, that person must be this way. No. God is going to use imperfect people all the way around because He wants to benefit His people. And if you hear, hear something that's terrible about a person i mean we had what benny hinn was being said all kinds of things about and but you how many how many people were healed in the meetings uh william brannan anybody know about him a.a a. allen anybody hear about him a.a a. allen from what i'm told uh I don't, I don't know him personally i didn't study after him but i heard from some uh, r.w shambach anybody know r.w shambach r.w shambach was worship leader for a.a a. allen A.A. Allen was so big. Anybody not heard of A.A. Allen? Never heard of A.A. Allen? A.A. Allen was so big, his address was A.A. Allen and whatever city he was in in Texas. That was all you needed to do. He would advertise that on his radio. Just send it to A.A. Allen, care of, you know, whatever city, I don't know what it was, Houston or whatever it was. And it was a big city because they all know where I am. And sure enough, if you sent a letter to A.A. Allen at this city, it would get to him. That's pretty amazing. And I heard some powerful things that went on in A.A. Allen's meeting. If I'm not mixing up the stories, I think one time, uh, uh, I forget who was sharing the story with me, but they said that he came into the meeting, and as he was coming into the meeting, there were some sick people right around there, and he laid hands on them, and the power of God moved on it so strong that they started getting healed there, and the meeting started from the back of the tent and worked its way up. 
<laughs> and just people getting healed. Miraculous things going on. And yet A.A. Allen had a problem, had a problem with alcohol. He's getting drunk a lot. Not just that he drank here and there, but he was actually getting drunk. And uh, I'm not sure if he showed up at some meetings drunk, uh, but became very addicted to it. And that's why he uh, went home early. Probably one of the reasons he went home early. William Brennan, great healer. Anybody ever not heard of William Brennan? Not heard of him at all, huh? Brother Hagen, you told us the stories about him. I mean, powerful things going on in the meetings where he was at. The miracles that God would do through him. And uh, Brother Hagen was sent to him one time to give him a word. And he never he, he told us some of the details of it. I don't remember all of it. But he said that he uh, in the word he had to judge himself in three areas. One was money. Um, two was food. And I don't remember what the third area was. But those two were two of the areas. Food, money, and there was a third area. And he said you need to judge yourself in these things. Two years later, the... Uh, bunch of uh, healing ministers, I forget what name they, they operate under, Brother Higgin was there, part of it, and they got word that William Brannan went into the hospital and that he was uh, close to death. And they all wanted to come on up and they were all the healing ministers that were there in this meeting were going to come up and pray. And so Brother Hagin at that time, he was sitting in the back with his wife and he walked on out, stepped out of the aisle and he was heading on up and he said, when my foot hit the bottom step to go up on stage, the Spirit of God said to me, he didn't judge himself. Don't bother praying. Something along those lines. To which Brother Hagen immediately turned right around and went back to his seat. Never went up on stage to pray. Sat down next to his wife. His wife leaned over to him and said, What did God tell you? <laughs> and he said, What makes you think God tell you told me anything? And she told him why she thought it was, I guess a look on his face or whatever it was. And, and so he told him, he said he didn't judge himself in that word. He even forgot that he had given him a word of prophecy, uh, a word from God. He said he didn't judge himself and didn't know what areas. I don't, if he did, he didn't tell us. He said, but he didn't judge himself. And God said he'll be dead. He'll, be, he'll die from this. And uh, I forget how many days later it was, but he was dead. He died. Went on to be with Jesus. I, yeah, I assume he went on to be with Jesus anyway. <laughs> but, you know, powerful healing anointing. He could tap into that healing anointing, but yet his own life was in such a array that he didn't judge himself in these things. That doesn't call into question what God does. God puts things on people. He, he puts anointings on people when it comes from God for the purpose of not the benefit of the person, but for the benefit of the body. Paul teaches us gifts are put into the body of Christ for the purpose of building up, edifying, helping the body. That's why they're there. So God's purpose transcends the individual and goes on to the other people. If God can use this person to get people healed who are following after Him, He will use them. Even if they aren't doing all the things that they ought to do. So we look at the life of Samson. What we've got to understand is this is a man who knows how to tap in the anointing of God and when he wants to can move in the anointing that God gave him for strength and that God would answer it and he would move for strength. But he kept shutting it off when he would satisfy what he needed. Don't follow after the example of Samson. Follow after the example that God gives us. Don't stop when your needs are met. Go after the needs of others. Now look at it this way. In the area of healing. How many times do we stop 
pressing into God when we get healed. If I got over my headaches, if I got over my stomach ache, if I got over my flu, if I got over my sore, if I got over my pain, whatever it is, if I got over it, then I stop. I don't press into healing anymore because I got healed. Is that what it's for? No. How many times have we pressed, uh, stopped pressing in on a particular topic on the Bible, a particular topic and, as dealing with our life, because I got what I needed. I understand what I need. Isn't that the same thing? Is there not an anointing of God out there to help us study, to help us press in? But, well, I don't need to know that. I'm not going to press in on that. I, I don't need to know that. I'm, I'm okay. But what about if God wants to use you to help somebody else? You've stopped. You've got your 30 people, your 30 changes of the garments, and you're, and you're done. <laughs> Can we do the same thing that Samson has done? Can we use the anointing that's on our life to satisfy our needs and stop? What about pressing in for the needs of others? Have we ever been into a service and we're pressing into God, we're praying in tongues, we're worshiping. Oh, here's this meeting that's going on. Oh, and I need to get this thing from God. And as soon as we get what we need from God, what do we do? Oh, that was a good meeting. Boy, I got what I needed. I probably need to get going pretty soon. <laughs> we're not pressing in, praying in the Spirit anymore. We're not worshiping. Well, I already got what I needed. So I don't... <laughs> No. We, we can't be doing that. We've got to be pressing in for other people. You listen to a lot of Christians. Most of them will judge the meeting by what they received. By what word came for them. By what healing came to them. What knowledge came to them. And not about what came for other people. Are we not doing the same thing that Samson has done? Are we not stopping at 30 garments because that's what we needed to satisfy the riddle? Samson's call, Samson's anointing is to wipe out Philistines and to free Israel from the oppression that they brought. But he stops at 30. The Spirit of God came on him and he stopped at 30. Give you one more case. Remember the prophet came up to the king? He was not a godly king. I'm not going to give you all the details because I want you to go find the story. <laughs> go find it and read the whole thing on your own. He's not a godly king. He sort of has a knowledge of God. God can sort of use him, but not a whole lot. And the prophet came to him and said, take your, take your arrows. And he took the arrows and he said, bang them into the floor. And he banged them into the floor. But he banged them into the floor only three times. And the prophet rebuked him and said, you should have banged them onto the floor six or seven times. You should have struck the floor six or seven times. Now you only have a partial victory over your enemy instead of completely wiping them out. And he was happy. Well, I get a partial victory. That's good enough for me. At least in my lifetime, there won't be a problem. This is where we stop. It's too often that we use the anointing of God for 30 changes of clothes. What I need to satisfy what's, in, what's pressing on me right now. And God says, why are you stopping at 30? You need to go further. You need to keep going. 
because there's a world out there. And we're supposed to use the anointing of God that's on our life to help them. We can look at all these other ministers and we can pick it, point fingers at them and say, oh, they're only using the anointing of God to get money, to get wealth, to get power, to get influence, to get whatever else we're thinking they might want to be getting. But what are we using the anointing of God for in our life? I put this in your outline. What does it take to get me to activate the anointing of God in my life? What does it take for you to say, there's an anointing of God on my life, I'm going to activate it and walk into this thing over here? What does it take? Is it something that you need? Or is what other people need good enough to get you to activate that anointing of God? Step on out there and help other people. What is it that does it? 30 pieces? Of change, 30 changes of clothing? Is that good enough for you? Is that what you need? Or are you going to go beyond that? When David came back from the battles with the Philistines, did they say David has killed his 30 men? They said Saul has killed his thousands and David his tens of thousands. He used the anointing of God that was on him to go after the enemies of Israel, not the enemies of David. The enemy of David was Saul. But he used the anointing of God to go after the enemies of Israel. That's what we need to pattern ourselves after. That's the kind of thing we need to go after. 30 pieces? Or do you stop? Just what you need? Or do you press into God for what other people might need? Do you press into God to get that healing anointing going in your life that you will lay hands on the sick and they shall recover because you want to see other people? brought about to that, to that place? Or do we do it because maybe people will recognize me? What causes us to press in? Father, we thank you for the help that you give us in life. We thank you for that anointing of God that is on our life. That for each one of us, there is an anointing that we can access. That anointing comes upon us and we can do things that otherwise would have been difficult. But what was difficult has become easy because the anointing of God is on our life for that thing. But help us, Father, to press in on the anointing of God because it benefits others, not because it benefits us. To be more like Moses, not like Samson. To be more like David, not like Saul. Once we learn how to press into the anointing of God, it seems we can do it at all kinds of times. But we need to do it when you want us to, when you need us to, when the people of God need us to, not just when we need it. Thank you for the help that you give us in that. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen.